Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Jesus. Jesus, the mere mention of his name can calm the storm, heal the brokenhearted, and raise the dead. At the name of Jesus, I've seen sin-hardened men melted, derelicts transformed, and the lights of hope put back into the eyes of a hopeless child. At the name of Jesus, hatred and bitterness has turned to love, forgiveness, and arguments ceased. I've sat beside a dying saint, her body racked with pain, who in those final fleeting seconds summoned her last ounce of ebbing strength to whisper Earth's sweetest name, Jesus, Jesus. Emperors have tried to destroy it. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out. Tyrants have tried to wash it from the face of the earth with the very blood of those who claimed it, yet it still stands. And there shall be that final day when every voice that has ever uttered a sound, every voice of Adam's race shall raise in one great mighty chorus to proclaim the name of Jesus. For in that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, there's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. I love you guys so much. I just love to hear you uh, to sing the praises of the Lord. And, um, you know, it's probably because I was a 60s child that I love that child of love song. Um, but um, when you stop and think about the one part of that song that um, nothing can separate us, nothing can change the way he loves us, Nothing could take away that love. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. 
Not even death. No powers on earth can do it. No powers in the darkness can do it. No powers in the heaven or under the earth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, the name of Jesus, our Lord. Wow. So thankful you're here. And I'm thankful for those of you who are joining us online, um, wherever you are. We're grateful that you're here. Jesus loves you, and so do we. And um, we're gonna jump into the word together and try to find some encouragement today in a world of darkness. So um, let me start with this verse out of Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. This is what it says. Let the one who walks in the darkness, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. 30 years ago, in 1993, there's a pastor by the name, of, and you might remember this story and remember his name, Andrew Brunson and his wife, Noreen. They felt a call from God to pastor a church in the New Testament town of Smyrna in Turkey and give their lives as missionaries to the Turkish people. Well, just seven years ago, in 2016, they were vacationing on the Aegean Sea over there in Greece, and um, they were both arrested by the Turkish government. Noreen was released after spending 11 days in prison, but Andrew spent the next two years in prison. For what? What, was his, what were his crimes? Well, basically his crimes were this, being a faithful preacher of the gospel, and he went to prison for loving the people of Turkey enough to give up their lives, move all the way across the world to share their life and the life-giving message of the gospel to those people, to let them know that the name of Jesus is powerful and that he loves them. The cover, of course, for the government was that he was being accused of, quote, being a member of an armed terrorist organization, but of course they had no evidence to prove that, and they brought no evidence against him, but they held him in prison for two years. You remember this story? Some of you, if you follow the news, it was a big deal. During his imprisonment, Andrew was moved from prison to prison. They didn't keep him in one spot. And as they moved him, his conditions, his living conditions got worse and worse and filthier and filthier, very inhumane type of way to, um, to exist. Eight months into his um, incarceration, he began to um, despair. He actually shared with the prison doctor these words. He said, I can't handle it anymore. I have constant panic. I don't sleep. I have fought for eight months to control myself, and I just can't handle it anymore. I'm losing control. More than once, he said these words, I'm afraid I'm going insane. This was how bad things were for him in his time of persecution. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm gonna have him testify um, to this for you as I read his quotes, the Lord did not forsake him in his time of need. Yeah, somebody get excited about that, okay? Because what that means is that the Lord will not forsake you in your time of need, and he won't forsake me in my time of need. How do we know that? Come on. Because he's promised us. Come, let's just say it again out loud together. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. 
I will be by your side no matter what comes, no matter what your circumstances, no matter how dire they are, no matter how much humanly you're losing it and losing control, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You need to keep that tucked away because you're gonna need that as we near the future of the end of the world. He later wrote these words. Each day I focused on fighting through my fear to reach a place where I surrendered myself to whatever God had ahead for me. He said I had to learn the lesson of the verse we just read earlier, Isaiah 50:10. Let the one who walks in the darkness, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. He went on to say these words. God was teaching me to stand in the dark, to persevere apart from my feelings, to persevere apart from my perceptions, to persevere apart from my circumstances. Not long ago, Pastor Brunson spoke to a group back here in America and he said this, I believe, this is for us today, okay? This is, what we're, this is what we're leaning into today right here. I believe the pressures that we're seeing in our country now are going to increase. And one of those pressures is going to be hostility toward the people who embrace Jesus Christ and his teachings. My concern is that we're not ready for this pressure and not being prepared for very, very dangerous times. He almost lost it when he got there. And he's concerned for the people of America, Christians in America today, because of what he sees is coming, what we're gonna see today that Jesus says is coming, that we're not prepared. I've had many um, that have been concerned about why I'm preaching on these things that I'm preaching about. I wanna explain it to you, okay? Um, I want you to know that I don't just pick things out of the air. Um, typically, we take a look at what is the landscape of what's happening in our church body. We actually um, get intel from different life groups about you know, what are people in our church wrestling with and what are the things that are on people's minds right now? What do we need to know? And, and we talk about it as elders and, and I pray and go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to, to bring to the people? And he leads us and never let us down. He's never let us down in that. And... Um, I actually was going to preach through the book of Matthew right after Easter. I was just gonna start in Matthew one and go. And the Lord said clearly to me, <laughs> um, I didn't like hear him speak in, you know, like in front of me. I didn't have an angel appear or anything like that. I, what I want you to know is in my spirit, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say to me, um, no, don't do that. And I fought against it. Because sometimes you don't know, is it my voice? Is it the, you know, so I'm like, no, I need to preach through the book of Matthew. That's what we decided. I've got it, got it laid out. I already did my research. I know what we're gonna do. We're gonna preach that book through the book of Matthew. No, I'm gonna do that. And I heard it louder. No, you're not. You're going to preach through Matthew 24. Now, I'm not saying that I'm making it. Are you hearing me? Is everybody awake right now? Because you have to hear me clearly. I am not making a declaration. I'm not prophesying. But what I heard in my spirit was, I don't even know if I can release this to you or not. Because I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying. What I heard is, Phil, you don't have time 
to get to Matthew 24, and I want you to tell the people about Matthew 24 right now. Amen. I'm not saying that, I'm not declaring a time, okay, when Jesus is coming back or when these things that we've been talking about are happening, but my friends, they're happening right now. And because I love you and because the Lord Jesus loves us, I want to warn you and I want to prepare you for what's coming. And I don't know why this landed on the 4th of July weekend that we're talking about persecution, death, and hatred. But that's what we're talking about today because that's next on Jesus' list. Why it landed on our, our weekend this weekend, I don't know, maybe it's because a bunch of you were gone you know, and like vacation. I don't know. I don't know why it is here today, but it is upon us today. And it is my duty as the shepherd of this flock of God to inform you and to prepare you for what is coming, for the dangers that are coming upon us. And I want you to walk out today encouraged and strengthened, not defeated in your spirit. Hopefully that's the goal of every week as we've been talking about these different things. Jesus cares about you too. And Jesus loves you enough and loves me enough to warn us of the things that are coming. And that's what we're looking at as we look at the persecution that is coming. That's today's message, okay? Persecution is coming, we gotta deal with it, but now what? Now what are we looking at? What should we do in light of the fact that persecution is coming? Let's look at Matthew 24, 9 which is where we are next, Matthew 24, nine. So Jesus says this, you will be handed over to be persecuted. You will be hated. And you will be, I'm sorry, you will be put to death. That's a real encouragement right there. And you will be hated by all the nations because of me. Persecution against Christ followers is coming. That's what Jesus is telling us here, that as we get to the end, you are to look for it to increase. That's what he's saying to us. But I want you to hear that persecution of Christians isn't new. It actually started with Jesus Christ himself. Persecution against religion started with Jesus Christ. We can read in the Bible, the Bible describes it before it happened and then describes it in detail how it happened, that Jesus was mocked, he was ridiculed, he was rejected, tortured, and crucified, all because some religious guys that living in his day didn't like what he was teaching and didn't like what he stood for. The persecution was at that time Unleashed After the death of Jesus and his resurrection, the persecution was unleashed upon all of his followers, his church. In fact, 11 of the 12, you may not know this, 11 of the 12 disciples suffered violent deaths because they stood for and proclaimed one name, Jesus. The only reason that they suffered at the hands of wicked men and died at their hands and were martyred is because they... They proclaimed Jesus as Lord of their life. Peter and Paul died during the reign of one of Rome's most wicked emperors. His name was Nero. Nero hated Christians so much that he had them torn apart by savage dogs. 
He had them dragged through the streets by wild bulls. He crucified them. And he had some of them impaled on poles and then set them on fire to illuminate his gardens at night. That is so sick. What kind of wickedness is there in this world where a ruler, by the way, Nero took his life, his own life, at 37 years old. So here in his 20, late 20s, early 30s, he's in charge of the known, of the known world at that time, the, the global power. But he hated Christians so much that he would put them on poles, plant them around his garden, and then light them on fire to light his garden, to illuminate his gardens at night. We're gonna talk about this a little later in the sermon, but do you see the irony in that? What are Christians supposed to be in this dark world? Light up the darkness. It's estimated that since that time, over 70 million Christians have been murdered for their faith. But over half of those, are you hearing me? Over half of that 70 million died at the hands of evil men because of their faith in Jesus Christ in the 20th century alone. And it is estimated and believed that two million people have been killed since 2001 just because they claim the name, they say the name, they shout the name, Jesus. In an article, The Global War on Christians, um, they said this, Christians today indisputably are the most persecuted religious body on the planet, and too often the new martyrs suffer in silence. In other words, we're not hearing about it. And Jesus, are you, are you with me? Jesus saw this coming, you guys. Jesus saw it coming, and he's telling us that it's coming. It's gonna come in increasing fashion, but it's gonna come in three waves. It's gonna come in persecution. He said, you will be handed over to be persecuted, then you're going to be put to death, and then you will be hated by all the nations. There's three waves of persecution that is coming upon the church of Jesus Christ. And I wanna remind you again, let me just say it one more time, I'm gonna say it every single time in this series. These things that we're working on, these are the early birth pains, okay? These are the birth pains leading up to labor that will be birthed into full tribulation force after the rapture of the church. So all of this is coming in a very horrific fashion towards those who believe after the rapture of the church. But Jesus is warning us that we will see a buildup and increase in intensity and frequency of deception, we've already seen, of deception, of war, of disease, and famine, and now persecution and martyrdom. I hate to say it this way, but this is what Jesus has promised to those who follow him. This is his prophetic promise to us that these things are going to happen. I want you to know about it. And I won't, don't want you to be alarmed. So let me ask you, can you see it happening in the world right now? Can you see the persecution ramping up? Can you see the hatred towards Christianity ramping up? You certainly can. And I have chosen um, on purpose not to spend time. I could go, I could give you example after example after example worldwide 
um, of persecution against Christians, and it, they're horrible stories. It's, it's like reading a modern uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you know, when you listen to all the stories. And I've just chosen not to bring those stories to you. And just to tell you that if you, if you wanna go look, at, look them up, you can yourself. But because there is example after example um, of proof that the rise of hostility um, is upon us that starts first with harassment and mocking and marginalizing, and we can see that everywhere in the world, especially here in the US, but then that stuff turns to provocation and confrontation designed to deem the followers of Christ unacceptable, labeling us as deplorables or undesirables. You've heard those words before. But the end game, you guys, is literally not just to pick on us, honest Christians, not to just marginalize us. That's not the end game. The end game is total annihilation and destruction of the Christian movement. That's what is happening. And Jesus says something interesting in Matthew 24, 9. He says, what's the driving force of this hatred? Now, you're gonna wanna say like I did, well, Satan's the driving force of this hatred. That's not what Jesus said. Look at it again, Matthew 24, 9, at the backside of the verse. You will be hated by all the nations. What's the driving force? Because of me. Other translations would say this, for my name's sake, or because of my name. Jesus Christ. And I want to add, because we have to add, that the only explanation for all this hatred and vitriol before the name of Jesus, or concerned and surrounded around the name of Jesus, is because of Satan himself. Satan has as his goal the total annihilation of the Christian movement. Every person who claims the name of Christ, he wants to take you out. He's planted deep into the hearts of those in power and in influence in our world, in our government, to hate those of us who stand for Christ and his kingdom because he hates all that is Christ and his kingdom. That's what he's up to. Why else would people hate a man who came to do good, who came to heal people of diseases, supernaturally heal people of diseases, who came to make the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear? Why would the world hate a man who would raise the dead and heal the brokenhearted and set captives free? Why else would the world around us hate the true church of God, which from its very beginning has been the greatest humanitarian force on the planet? For 2,000 years, the world has raged against us with the goal of totally disbanding the movement, with the goal of stopping the spread of the gospel and discrediting the word of God and actually banning the word of God. They want to destroy even the souls that Jesus came to save. That is what they're up to. That is the goal, the satanic goal through the work of wicked minds and hearts of people that he has planted in them a hatred for the church of Jesus Christ. The whole reason we will experience this persecution is because we align with Jesus. 
And Jesus told us this. Look at it in John 15, 18. We're gonna have it on the screen. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of this world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally, they will persecute you. I know it's early, and I hope I haven't lost you yet, um, because I want to ask you a very serious question. In fact, it's the only question that really needs to be asked at this point in a sermon like this. You ready for it? Might sting a little bit as it comes out, but here it is, here's the question. How does the world know who to hate? Let me go back to John 15, 18 real quick and just read it to you again. The world would love you as one of its own. The world would accept you and the world would take you in to themselves if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world, so because of that, because you came out of the world, the world hates you. Okay, so at one time you were in the world, and the world loved you, and they embraced you. Jesus calls you out of the world and into his kingdom, and now something has shifted, something has changed, because now you're hated by the world, and they don't love you anymore, and they don't embrace you anymore. They reject you. How do they know who to hate or who to persecute? I know, it's an obvious question, but it's a serious question. The answer is, they know you by your light. So, you ready for an experiment? Okay, you were once in darkness. And as long as there is darkness, and everyone's in the dark, the world loves you. The world accepts you. They will embrace you until you turn on your light. You know what's interesting right now? I can see you. <laughs> and when I do this, like right there, Carl, you're like squinting. Like, get that out of my face, get that out of my eyes. So, what's interesting also about this is every single one of you are looking at the light. So what are you seeing? You're seeing the light. But what is my light doing? My light is like, ah! It's exposing the darkness. Right? Sorry, buddy. But as you shine your light, 
You expose, the scripture says that you expose the works of darkness. Make sense? So how do they know who to hate? See, some of us, we have, the scripture says, we have the light of life. We have it now. We were once in darkness, and now we are light. No, 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 not yet. <laughs> no. They're still in darkness. I am in the light. Oh, all right, there we go. <laughs> Give somebody a heart attack with that flashy, flashy thing. So I am in the light, okay, because I have come into the light. But what happens? Sometimes people do this. They're in the light, all right? They're in the light. They have the light. They possess the light. But because we're, like, nervous or scared or whatever, we, like, hide the light. So persecution is coming. And by the way, it's a pleasure to, to, to suffer for the sake of Christ and for the name of Christ. It's an honor to be able to suffer like he suffered for us. But you're not gonna suffer if you don't have your light, if you're not shining your light. The only way they know who to hate is the light. You guys ready back there? We were once in darkness, but now we are light. Amen. They know us by our light. They know us by our fruit. They know us because we stand for righteousness. They know us because we stand for truth. We've been talking about all of this. We stand for truth in the face of deceit. We stand for honor in the face of dishonor. We stand for righteousness in the face of unrighteousness. That's what Christians do. They know us because they can hear our clear, loud voices shouting Jesus from the mountains, Jesus from the housetops, Jesus in the streets. They can hear his name being proclaimed over the darkness and against the enemies of God. They can hear us praying for deliverance for people from the darkness, deliverance for our family, Deliverance for people all in our, in our world, in our sphere of influence, where we, in our workplace, they hear us. Heard a story this week about a, a guy that was, I don't even have all the details, it just popped into my head, but it was an amazing story. I'll tell you about the details later on sometime, but it was, oh, it was a prison, and these, this woman who was, who was persecuted for her faith um, was thrown into prison, and she began to pray every single day out loud. She prayed for her imprisoner, her, her, her jailers, and she prayed for everyone in there, and the jailers actually started coming to Jesus because they heard the prayers of this woman praying into the darkness and praying over the darkness of that place, using her circumstance to shine the light in, even in the worst of circumstances that she found herself. Instead of being all upset and saying, this light doesn't work, I'm putting it away, I'm throwing it away, she's like, no, I'm gonna shine it even brighter. I'm gonna shine it into the darkness of my circumstances right now. And because of that, light was spread into that dark place. That's what Christians do when the darkness comes. But if you shine your light, 
you become a target. Um, Satan targets you for persecution. Let me ask you something. Have you... Have you publicly identified with Jesus? I don't, I don't mean in the baptistry tank. Um, yes, you, you need to be baptized. If you have not come to Christ, if, if, come, if you've come to Christ and you have not been baptized, you're missing the first step of obedience, the scripture calls it, in your walk with the Lord. You're taking a step of obedience with Christ to identify with him. Basically, you're saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't, unfortunately, in our culture, it doesn't work, it works awesome, we love it, right? We love it when people get baptized and they testify of their faith in Jesus and we lose our minds and we scream and shout because that's a miracle that that happens and we love that. But that's not what baptism was back at the early church. It, it was the same thing, but it was, it was much harder to do. You think it's hard to testify of your faith before a bunch of believers? Try to testify of your faith before a bunch of unbelievers. See, what they did is they went to where there was water they went to the public water place because people didn't turn on the faucet in their home. They had to take jars and they had to go down to the place where there was water, the place where there was enough water to immerse people into the, into the water to show what baptism, to show what salvation is all about. And you went down into the water where the whole community was and where they all gathered to gather their water and you testified of your, I now stand for Jesus Christ and you proclaim the name of Jesus before all men and all the women and all the children of your community. It was a huge risk in the early church because persecution was so hot at the very beginning. Satan was trying to snuff it out at the very start. And so if you stood, if you went into the waters of baptism and you testified, you made a public profession of your faith, a lot of times you would lose your job, you'd be kicked out of your family, you would be totally shunned from community. You would lose your livelihood and many of them had to flee from physical persecution that happened because they went public with their faith and with the fact that they followed the name of Jesus. I'm asking you, have you publicly identified yourself with Jesus in such a way that those who know you also know that you're attached, and I mean intimately attached to Jesus, and I'm not talking about being weird about it. Done are the days of being obnoxious Christians where, I mean, get real with your people in your world. Live it before them. Be ready to testify anytime that a man or woman asks you of your faith, be ready to testify and proudly proclaim the name of Jesus. Done are the days when Christians are just obnoxiously leaving fake million dollar bills on the table for a tip with the gospel of Jesus written on the backside. Yeah, that impresses your waitress. Those days are done. We've gotta get real with the gospel. We've gotta go before people and lovingly tell them, sister, brother, you need Jesus. Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? And be there for them. Build a relationship with all of the people in your world that do not know the Lord so that when the bottom falls out of their life, when things start getting really weird in the world, you're standing as a light and as a pillar of strength to be able to offer them salvation, 
to be able to offer them hope. They see that you're standing strong even though the world is falling apart. And they're gonna ask you why and how because I want some of that. Our world is full of that right now. We're ready for that right now. Give me whatever it takes to get through this. I'll take it. Man, now more than ever, there's no better time to be alive than right now to share Jesus with a world that desperately needs him. But because of your relationship with the Lord, you become a target because your life is shouting his name. And thank you for letting me ask you those questions because I have to ask you those questions. I have to ask myself those questions. And we need to ask them more and more as our culture moves closer to the end. Because sooner than later, you and I are going to be required to turn on and turn up the light and stand for Jesus and his name. My encouragement to you through this message is simple, it's just one point. That's why I don't have a bunch of points on on a page for you to write down, but here's the encouragement in all this. Be strong and courageous and take your stand. Let me show you this in Matthew 10, 16. Jesus said, look, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, that's a big encouragement. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that. We love that. You know, thank you for sending us out into the wolves. Um, But basically, he's saying this. I am sending you into the realm of the wolves. He knew that his disciples, and he knew that that we, his present day disciples, would be going out into the world of hatred, into a world of rejection and persecution and death at the hands of a God-hating world. He's saying this, the world will make daily raids on the church of Jesus Christ just like the wolves will make daily raids on the sheep. Paul said it like this, ravenous wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. It is in their very nature, the very nature of wolves, to attack and mutilate and devour sheep. And what Jesus is saying is this, if you're gonna follow me, and if you say you're mine, you're gonna have to pay a price. And a good, loving leader will tell you that. They won't sugarcoat it. And say, you know, it's gonna be tough, but you know, just, just, just hang in there, it'll be, it'll be fine. Now Jesus tells us exactly, I mean, he tells us, persecution, they'll put you to death, and they're gonna hate you. All the nations will hate you. We're in a war for the liberation of the souls of men. We are. And Paul says it's not gonna be a cakewalk. He said, if you desire to live godly, you will suffer persecution. I believe it's actually a kindness that Jesus offers us when he tells us the truth about serving him, when he says the world will hate you because you are part of me. He doesn't send us out into the realm of the wolves without warning us about the demands and the dangers that lie ahead, the dangers of discipleship, of following him. But he circles back with, in this world you will have trouble, he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. You know what he's saying about that? You're in me. So it doesn't matter. Whether by death or by life, whether by persecution or nakedness or sword, what can separate you from his love? 
Come on, everybody, what can separate you from his love? Nothing can separate you from his love. Don't, don't be all worried and anxious about it. It's coming, be prepared, why? So that you can stand with bold courage, so that you can stand up for the Lord. Because like Pastor Andrew, until you're in prison, in horrible circumstances, for day after day after day, and you know, we kind of romanticize on that, some, some of us, you know, I do, kind of like, yeah, bring it on, bring it. Put me, you know, you guys bring me some food when I'm in prison. I joke around like that, you know, like for talking the way that I'm talking and for preaching on the things I'm preaching, until you get there. And you start to lose hope and you start to, be, you start to despair. What Jesus is saying is this stuff's coming Prepare yourself, prepare your mind. I will be with you. It's gonna be hard. Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy 31, six. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. No fear, no panic for God's people. How can you do that? For the Lord your God, it is he who will go with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. The early Christians, when they faced the evil of their culture and they were facing persecution from the corrupt religious system of the Jews, I want you to take note, special note, of what they prayed for in Acts chapter four, verse 29. Look what those believers who were suffering persecution prayed. Oh Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. In other words, as the heat of persecution is turned up, God's people are supposed to more boldly preach than ever before. No matter what they say to you, no matter what they do to you, we proclaim even louder and stronger and bolder with all the courage of God himself in us, in the Holy Spirit, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus Christ. On October 12, 2018, back to Pastor Andrew Brunson, he had his final day in the Turkish Congressional Court. He said he was terrified, but was resolved to remain true, get this now, to the name of Jesus. And when asked if he had anything to say in his defense, finding himself now under the microscope, with the eyes of the entire world on him, he stood up, he looked the judge in the eye, and he said these words. Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world and proclaim the good news of salvation to everyone and make disciples. This is why I came to Turkey, to proclaim this news, that there is only one way to God, Jesus. There is only one way to have our sins forgiven, Jesus. There is only one way to gain eternal life, Jesus. There is only one Savior, Jesus. For the last 25 years, I have declared Jesus as Savior. For 23 years, I did it by choice, and the last two years, I have been forced to do it from prison, but my message is still the same, Jesus. Amen. So this is the message, it's coming. And we must be vigilant and ready. And we must not be anxious about the future. God will give you and I the grace and the wisdom for the moment, just like he did Pastor Andrew, to speak the truth. 
hear me. The devil won't win. He's trying his hardest. He knows the end is close. The devil can't win. That's a fact. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's a fact, you guys. You could take to the bank. Here's another fact. Whether we live or die, the gospel is true. Whether we are free or in prison, our message is the same. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And I will follow him to the end. As we prepare for communion that we're going to take here now, I want you to read the words of Jesus from Luke chapter 9, verse 22. He said to his disciples, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. You see the persecution there? He will be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Save it. Jesus showed us the way of sacrifice when he went to the cross. Taking on himself the sins of the whole world and with that all the wrath of his father upon those sins. And the scripture tells us that he suffered on the cross and then he shed his blood. Shedding his blood means that our sins can be forgiven because without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. He took your sin for you and he took mine. I want to say that you might be here and you don't really know the Lord. Maybe you know you don't know the Lord. You're here for whatever reason and maybe you're seeking the Lord. Today could be a day of salvation for you. While we, what we're going to do right now is a, is a body here, and I'm talking to those of you who might be at home too um, or wherever you are watching online, um, you're gonna see us participate in what we call communion. It, it is um, where we take a little wafer and we have a cup of juice, um, a fruit of the vine. And those things represent the body of Jesus that was crucified for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for our forgiveness. We remember this because we're so grateful, aren't we? What I want you to know, if you don't know the Lord, is that this can be yours today, this relationship with Jesus. Now you're hearing about, maybe I don't want to be part of this thing because persecution is going to come as soon as I turn on the light. Well, yes, but you're part of the, being a light bearer, being part of the light is the greatest gift you could ever be given. It's the greatest journey. It's the greatest adventure for anyone. Um, as hard as it might be for us. Because in the end, Jesus purchased our, the Bible says, our redemption. He purchased our salvation from sin. All of us are sinners and we need salvation and he purchased our salvation with his body and his shed blood. And that's what we remember. 
So we're gonna sing our gratitude to the Lord. You, could, you don't have to sing. You could just sit there and pray to the Lord and examine your heart before the Lord. But as we examine, before we partake, I want you to ask the Lord this question. Am I shining my light the way you want me to shine my light? Have I gone public with my faith? Do people know? Would I be on the list of people that they're looking to persecute? Ask that question of the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about that because that's what he desires of us. Remember earlier I read, hey, if you wanna save your life, go ahead and give it a shot, but you'll lose it. But if you'll lose your life, what that means is if you'll follow me all the days of your life, then you will really live. That's where the living is, is in Jesus. So Lord, as we remember you now, we just wanna tell you how thankful we are. Thankful for your love, thankful for your sacrifice, and we thank you for the blood. Because had you not shed your blood, we would not be able to be forgiven. We would not be able to enter into a relationship with you that we have. And so hear the voices of your grateful people as we remember your sacrifice for us. In Jesus' name.